Let's begin. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa. Today's talk will be about sata, confidence or faith. So this morning in the instructions I introduced the practice of Buddhanusati the reflection on the attributes of the Buddha. And as we know, this reflection is one of the four protective meditations. And this particular reflection on the attributes of the Buddha helps strengthen our confidence, the confidence or faith in the teachings of the Buddha, in the Buddha. And it also helps to strengthen our confidence in our own ability to completely awaken. As we know, the word Buddha means the awakened one or to awaken. And all of us have this potentiality to uh, awaken fully to the way things are. <clears throat> so the many sorry, the Buddha gave many different teachings of how to fully awaken different methods or on how we can practice to do so there is a book written by my teacher Sayado Ujanaka and it has the title the Buddha's ways to peace and happiness. And it's interesting to note that it says the Buddha's ways. So it's not only one way to peace and happiness, but there are many ways to achieve peace and happiness. And also we need to understand that there are different levels of peace and happiness which can be achieved by different approaches. <clears throat> so the base for this book was four lectures that Sayadaw Ujjanaka gave at the university in Yangon. That was in 1985. So it was just to all students, all the lecturers, professors at the university. And so there, for four afternoons, he talked about the Buddha's teaching and how it can lead to peace and happiness. And Sayadaw divided the Buddha's teachings into four aspects, explaining how each of these aspects can lead to peace 
and happiness in their specific way. So each of his lectures was dealing with one of these four aspects, basically. And so then these talks were transcribed and published as a book in Burmese. And then later on, a Burmese friend of mine, who was and still is Sayadaw's personal doctor, she made a rough translation of the Burmese book into English. I then revised and edited this English translation because there were too many repetitions. Even though each lecture dealt with basically one aspect, Sayadaw would, for example, in the second lecture, starting again, um, explaining the first aspect before he would go on to the second one. And then on the third day, basically dealing with the third aspect, he would go back to the very first aspect, say things about that, then to the second aspect, and then only the third aspect. And so the Burmese book is all with all these repetitions. Burmese meditators are used to such repetitions. It's part of the teaching of hearing it again and again and again and again, and then it sinks in. And so, for example, the first aspect that Sayadaw was talking about was the aspect of sada, of confidence or faith. So, things in connection with sada were spread over the four chapters or four days. And so, I collected everything pertaining to sada, put it into the first chapter. Everything containing, pertaining to the second aspect, second chapter, and so on. And so that these four aspects that Sayadaw talked about, which all of them can lead to a certain degree of peace and happiness, they are the following aspects. The first one, as already mentioned, is sada, or confidence faith. The second one is ethics. The third aspect deals with virtue, with sila. And the fourth aspect he talked about is the practice of meditation or the development of the heart and mind, which is bhavana in Pali. And so at the end of the first chapter, dealing with confidence, it is highlighted that confidence or faith can contribute a lot to our peace and happiness. Of course, it's not yet the final peace and happiness that is the result of complete liberation or awakening, which includes the cessation of all forms of greed, hatred, and delusion. But already, with having 
strong confidence, strong faith, one can enjoy a relative level of peace and happiness based on this confidence. And so tonight, <clears throat> in this talk, I will talk about sata, confidence, trust, explaining the characteristic of sata, explaining its function, as well as its place in the context of the Buddha's teaching. So the Pali word is sada, and it can be translated as confidence, or faith, or trust, or also as to entrust, to rely on, or to depend on. And to have confidence, or faith, or trust, in the Buddhist context, it means to have confidence in the Triple Gem. The Triple Gem meaning the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. I will come back to this later on. And for us meditators, one aspect of the Triple Gem is extremely important and relevant. Namely, it's very important to have confidence in the meditation practice or have confidence into the method of one's meditation practice. Because only if we have confidence in a particular method of practicing meditation, only then will we put in adequate effort. Only then will we do the practice wholeheartedly. I was very much surprised to find out that even Mahasi Sayadaw had his doubts about the meditation practice that he learned from his teacher, who was called Chetavan Sayadaw. Mahasi Sayadaw, a very learned um, monk, Sayadaw in Burma, who then <coughs> made this practice of vipassana meditation very popular and made it available for lay people, first in Burma and then with the first Westerners going to Burma, they kind of bringing this vipassana meditation practice uh, to the West. So, going back to Mahasi Sayadaw, so he had no confidence into the method that he was taught by his teacher, or in other words, he had doubts um, about this approach, this practice. So here are Mahasi Sayadaw's words. <clears throat> I myself was a skeptic at one time. At that time I did not like the Satipatthana method as it makes no mention of Nama and Rupa, Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta and so forth. But the Sayadaw who taught the method 
was a learned monk, and so I decided to give it a try. At first I made little progress because I still had a lingering doubt about the method which, in my view, had nothing to do with ultimate reality. It was only later on, when I had followed the method seriously, that its significance dawned on me. I realized then that it is the best method of meditation since it calls for attentiveness to everything that is to be known, leaving no room for absent-mindedness. So isn't this interesting? <laughs> and so in this passage, we also learn how Mahasi Sayadaw overcame his doubts, namely by following the method seriously. That means that he wholeheartedly put the method into practice and thereby he realized the effectiveness of the method. So it was through his direct and personal experience that he overcame his doubts. And this was also my experience when I first met my teacher, Sayadaw Ujjanaka. That was in a retreat near Sydney in 1991. So Sayadaw Ujjanaka in that retreat gave the instructions to do all the daily activities very slowly, very mindfully. And for the first three days, I resisted to slow down and just didn't follow his advice. I thought, because I had been practicing meditation at the time for already three years, and I thought I was an experienced meditator. So I thought, yeah, yeah, this can be for the beginners, but I know how to meditate. I don't need to slow down. So even though from the first day we had one-to-one um, -one interviews, he would tell me, slow down more. I said, yes, Sayadaw, left the room and went about. <laughs> so then, on the third day, he made a very personal comment on my practice. And then I realized, hmm, I think he knows my mind better than I do. And so I thought, hmm, maybe I should give it a try. If it's beneficial and effective, then all the better. If not, at least I have tried and I can say from my personal experience that it is not effective. So then I left the room and immediately I started to go very slow, do everything very mindfully with lots of uh, awareness. And so already after about half a day, I was amazed at the profound and insightful effect the slowing down had. I mean, before just thinking about it, I could not imagine that it could have such a tremendous 
and amazing effect. Tulku Orgyen Rinpoche was a beloved meditation teacher in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. And he brings it to the point when he said, trust in the teachings of the Buddha means pure appreciation. Honestly, it is completely amazing that through a few words of teachings and instructions, we can feel such a difference. It's definitely truly amazing. So sada is a mental factor and it belongs to certain groups of mental factors such as the group of the five mental faculties or the five mental powers. So as I said in the context of the Buddha's teaching, sada means having faith or trust in the Triple Gem, the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. And so this morning, talking about Buddha Nusati, I have mentioned and given some explanations on the nine attributes of the Buddha, which form the basis for the practice of Buddha Nusati the reflection of the, on the Buddha's attributes. So even though if we do not know all these nine classical attributes, generally we can say that the Buddha is the one who knows or the Buddha is the one who is fully awake. That's the basic meaning of Buddha, to be awake. So what does the Buddha know, or to what has he awakened? The Buddha knows things as they are, or the Buddha knows the universal laws. The Buddha knows the four noble truths, or the Buddha knows dependent origination or the Buddha knows and understands karma, meaning intentional actions and the way they produce effects or results. And so the Buddha knows things as they are based on his own direct personal experience. This is not some knowledge that he has come to by intellectual reflection or analyzing or speculation or philosophical reasoning. So then in regard to having confidence in the Dhamma, Dhamma has several meanings. It can mean things as they are, all existing phenomena, the universal laws, 
and because the Buddha's teaching is about understanding the universal laws or it's about understanding all that exists. That's why the Buddha's teaching was called the Dhamma. And then, in regard to having confidence or trust in the Sangha. Sangha, in its most general meaning, means the community, the community of those who practice the Dhamma, who put the Buddha's teaching into practice, meaning those who practice to see things as they really are, or those who practice in order to awaken. And in a more specific way, the Sangha refers to the monastics, to the uh, nuns and monks in the Buddha's order. And so, the triple gem, Buddha Dhamma Sangha, or the three refugees, they are reliable, reliable refugees. And so they are also worthy of respect and veneration. So now I will explain sada, confidence, trust or faith in regard to its characteristic, to its function, to its manifestation and to its proximate cause. So first of all, the characteristic of sada. It's that of placing faith or of trusting or of having confidence. So to have confidence, to have trust in something. For example, a worldly example. Many, many, many years ago, when I was a backpacker traveling around the globe, I was, in, I was traveling in Indonesia with my friend. And we wanted to climb Merapi, one of the big volcanoes on the island of Java. So we stayed at the foot of the volcano at a little lodge. And the owner of the lodge draw a map and explain the way up to the crater. And so with his explanations and with his map in our hands, we set out the next morning at 4 a.m. to climb up. So we completely trusted his map and explanation because we knew he had climbed Merapi many times before. And likewise, after that first retreat with Sayadaw Ujjanaka, I had complete confidence in Sayadaw Ujjanaka's meditation instructions and guidance because I knew he had walked this path before. So the Buddha 
pointed out that our confidence must be trust in something that is worthy of confidence. And what is worthy of confidence or trust? Very generally said, it's something that brings beneficial results for ourselves and others. Like that fosters our well-being and happiness. Not something that causes more suffering, misery, or um, yeah, suffering or misery. Sada, as being part of the five mental faculties, one of the other five mental faculties is panya, wisdom, understanding. And it is said that Sada must always be in balance with wisdom, panya. So confidence and understanding, wisdom, must be in balance. So then, to the function of confidence. The function of confidence is to clarify the mind, to bring clarity into the mind. So, strong confidence has the capacity to make the mind clear and bright, because then doubts or an unwavering mind are, are absent. And in one of the Buddhist scriptures, a commentary, the following comparison is used to describe confidence, the function of confidence. It is like the water prayer, sorry, it is like the water-purifying gem that clarifies water. So apparently there must be some water-purifying gem. If one puts this into dirty, polluted water, then with this water-purifying gem, the water becomes clear and transparent. And likewise, let's say that the person is angry or overcome by strong craving. So then, if that person, based on his or her confidence in the triple gem, pays homage to the triple gem, then by that the mind can instantly become pure and clear. And so then anger or craving has subsided and so the person feels happy and peaceful. Or else, if we engage in wholesome deeds, that can strengthen our confidence and it makes our mind clear and bright. You know, engaging in wholesome deeds such as practicing generosity, or keeping 
the precepts or offering food or flowers to the Buddha statue or listening to a Dhamma talk. So these are wholesome deeds that can uh, brighten up the mind based on the confidence. So genuine confidence can definitely give beneficial results and therefore it can lead to a relative level of peace and happiness. Then the manifestation of sadha is the direct outcome of its function. So because genuine confidence makes the mind bright and clear, so the mind is no longer foggy or obscured. And so the non-fogginess and non-obscuration of the mind is the beneficial manifestation of sadha. And lastly, the proximate cause of sadha, of faith or confidence. So the proximate cause is something worth of confidence or faith. So as I have said, the Buddha and many wise persons, sages throughout the ages have said that the triple gem is something reliable and worthy of faith. It's a reliable source for the purification of our heart and mind. It's a reliable source to develop wholesome and beneficial qualities, which then can eventually lead to complete liberation. So this sada, confidence, trust, faith, is fourfold, or there are four different levels of faith. The first one is the so-called serene faith, or initial faith. The second one is firm faith through understanding the Dhamma. And this understanding can be both the practical understanding, so the practice of meditation, or it can also be a more theoretical understanding of the Dhamma. And then the third level is unshakable faith through experiential knowledge of the Dhamma. And the fourth kind of level is the faith coming with the declaration of Buddhahood, like the faith that arises in bodhisattvas. So in regard to the first level of faith, initial faith or serene faith, so that's the kind of faith when we set out on the journey. So there is an immediate <coughs> connection with something about the teaching or somehow it makes sense or somehow it confirms our deepest yearning 
or this initial faith can also be caused by, by inspiration, inspiration of a teacher, the way the person behaves or what the person teaches, or else the inspiration can come through reading a book or an article. Well, sometimes this initial faith arises through the encouragement of a teacher or the encouragement of a therapist or the encouragement of a friend. For example, one of my brothers was encouraged to do a meditation retreat by his psychotherapist when he was going through a very rough phase in his life. And so then, based on that encouragement by his therapist, he decided to do a one-month retreat at the place where his sister was staying, in Burma. So he came to Burma, never having practiced any meditation, and he did one month of meditation. So weren't it for his initial faith or confidence, he wouldn't have done it. And it proved to be very beneficial on many different levels, even on a very mundane level. He had been a stutterer almost all his life long, and after the retreat he stopped being a stutterer. Take another um, example. Consider a person who, do, who does not know whether or not the soil is fertile. But if a seed is planted into fertile soil, then the seed will produce a plant. It will grow into a strong plant. However, if the seed is planted into soil that is not fertile at all, then most likely the seed will not start to grow. And so likewise, even if a person does not fully and deeply understand the attributes of the triple gem, but if a person has just this kind of serene faith, this initial confidence, then that person can obtain beneficial results and gain some level of peace and happiness. So as a first step, this initial faith is needed to set out on our journey. It's the openness of the heart and the mind, or it's the willingness to try something new, or to try something unusual. Then the second level is firm faith. So based on this initial faith, then one's confidence will grow through personal and direct experience. And so in this way, 
confidence becomes stronger and more deeply rooted. So what we experience personally and directly, that leaves deep imprints. And so this has the power for transformation. So when our confidence is based on some direct experience or when it is based on some deeper understanding of the Dhamma through studying and reading, then it becomes firm faith. But this firm faith can become too strong. It, became, it can become overboarding. And this is especially the case at one stage in our Vipassana meditation practice. It's at the stage of the fourth insight knowledge. When one starts to see the arising and passing away of phenomena very clearly. So, because at that stage then a meditator goes through a series of very uplifting and inspiring experiences. For example, the body starts to feel very light, very buoyant, or great joy arises, or many kinds of light appear, seeing blue light, yellow light, green light, white light, can be quite a light show. <laughs> and so the mind yeah, becomes very uplifted, very happy, and also bodily pains diminish uh, quite a lot. And so then one has the impression that this happiness is far better than any happiness one has experienced uh, before. And so as a result, one's faith, one's trust becomes really strong or to the point of becoming too strong. So when I went through this phase in my practice, I spent hours of explaining my family, my friends, how beneficial this practice was. And I wanted them to also practice meditation. And so then, in my mind, I started to organize uh, how they could go on retreat, and so on. But of course, in intensive meditation retreats, such kind of thoughts should be treated as any other thoughts, just being mindful of the thinking, of the planning. So eventually I overcame this stage, I went through this phase, as do um, the meditators usually. And so then after that, faith, confidence, is really firm and strong, but not too strong, no longer causing much restlessness. On the other side, one's confidence or faith can also be too weak. And this often happens with meditators who have either strong opinions or and have 
an intellectual understanding of the teachings or the meditation practice. So, if a meditator's intellectual understanding of the Dhamma, of the Buddha's teaching, is too strong, if it is too dominant, then usually these meditators are stuck in their own limited reasoning faculties. And so often they do not have, they do not really have an interest to investigate another point of view or no interest to try another method of meditation. And so because they do not give it a try, they do not get any personal experience. So what could help in this case is devotion. And I like the word in German. It's Hingabe, meaning giving yourself to something or to immerse yourself completely. And so, as I already said, this is what I finally did at my first retreat with Sayado Ujjanaka. I opened up and I gave myself fully into the practice, into the practice of slowing down, which not only gave amazing results, but all my doubts disappeared as well. The third level of faith, confidence, is unshakable faith. So firm faith, strong, strong faith, eventually transform into unshakable faith. At this time, our confidence in the teachings is so strong that it's unshakable. So nothing or nobody then can make us waver. Then there are no longer any doubts about the effectiveness of the practice because we have directly experienced it for ourselves, directly experienced that that the, that the cessation of suffering is possible. And so in other words, this unshakable faith arises at the first stage of enlightenment or when we become a stream-enterer. Because at that uh, moment, realizing the Four Noble Truths, one gets a direct and first-hand experience of the cessation of suffering, of Nibbana. So one catches a glimpse of Nibbana or the fact that the cessation of suffering is possible to experience. And so in this way, one's sada, confidence or trust, becomes unshakable. Then the fourth level of faith, I call it the bodhisattva faith, or the faith that comes with 
the declaration that one re will reach Buddhahood. So this is uh, when one becomes a bodhisattva, like in the understanding of the Theravada uh, Buddhism. So this is a kind of faith that does not happen very often, that does not happen to very many people or beings. As I mentioned when talking about the Buddha's attributes this morning, so then when the Buddha got the prophecy that in the distant future he would become the Buddha, that it was four incalculables and a hundred thousand worlds. So quite a rare thing. That's why I will not go further into this topic because I assume that nobody here is concerned at the moment. <laughs> or if there is somebody, please let me know. <laughs> so then, another aspect to be conscious of. We have to uh, be conscious that our sada does not turn into blind faith that we do not become credulous. So we should always use our common sense when opening up to a new teaching or a new method of meditation practice. Many of you may know the famous Kalama Sutta, a discourse the Buddha gave to the people living in Kalama people in that town, they had many different ascetics, hermits, monks, preachers coming through, each of them teaching their own teaching, each of them saying that this was the true teaching to become free or to become enlightened or to merge with the big Atta. And so the people of Kalama were confused not knowing whom they should trust or what criteria they should apply um, to judge whether a teaching was worth following or not. And so therefore, the people of Kalama approached the Buddha, explaining them their situation. And so then the Buddha gave the following answer, saying, do not simply believe what you hear just because you heard it for a long time. Do not follow tradition blindly merely because it has been practiced in that way by many generations. Do not be quick to listen to rumors. Do not confirm anything just because it conforms to your scriptures. Do not be fooled by outward appearances. Do not be convinced of anything out of respect to your spiritual teacher. And then the Buddha continued to say that they should go beyond 
opinion and belief. The Buddha explained that they should reject anything which, when practiced, leads to more greed, more anger, and to more delusion. Because greed, anger, and delusion do not depend on belief. Greed, anger, and delusion, they depend, they exist independently in any belief and they are commonly understood as something unwholesome. So they are not beneficial and they are to be avoided. And then on the other hand, the Buddha said they should accept anything when practiced that leads to contentment, that leads to unconditional love and to wisdom. Because contentment, unconditional love, compassion and wisdom, they are beneficial to oneself and to others. And these qualities should be strengthened, should be developed. And then the Buddha also said, and this is often something that is not mentioned when talking about this Kalama Sutta. The Buddha further said, when you yourselves know these things are good, blameless, praised by the wise, undertaken and observed, these things lead to benefit and happiness, then take them up, then abide in them. So here the Buddha adds, so when things are good, blameless, and praised by the wise. So it's not only our own personal experience, but we also should listen to what the wise people uh, say. But again here we must use our common sense and find out who is commonly accepted as a wise uh, person. Because we know there are so many so-called wise persons around in this world. Some of them only charlatans or some of them um, spiritual business men or women. And so, therefore, when we come in contact with a new doctrine or a new method of meditation, these should be the criteria. So, faith or trust should always be based on our personal direct experience and what the wise people say, confirmation by wise persons. Then another pitfall can be to have excessive faith or confidence. So again here, it can be based on some uh, 
good intellectual understanding of the Dhamma. And then it can turn into blind faith, a blind, excessive faith. And so people then think that having such firm and strong faith is enough to realize their goal without making an appropriate effort, effort to put the teachings into practice. For example, once we had a meditator coming to the meditation center in Burma. It was already the second time that he came to practice. And when this meditator arrived, he told me that this time he would stay and practice until he had reached his goal. Later on, I found out that his goal was to become a stream enterer, to reach the first stage of enlightenment. And he told me that he had made pilgrimages to all the holy Buddhist sites in India, such as Bodh Gaya, the Deer Park in Saranat, Kosinara, then having been in Lumbini in Nepal, that he had visited the Angkor Wat temple in Cambodia, that he had seen the Shvedagon Pagoda in Burma, that he also went to the Borobudur temple in Indonesia, to holy places in Thailand. And he said on top of that he had taken courses in Abhidhamma, which made him well-versed in Buddhist uh, philosophy. So quite obviously his faith was excessive, as it was not really grounded in personal practice, personal experience, it did not help him uh, really much in his endeavor to reach his goal. Rather, for him, it proved to be a stumbling block for further progress in his meditation. So something that can help strengthen our confidence or trust in the Dhamma, in the practice of meditation, when it's um, weak or not present or when many doubts are present, is to read inspiring stories of practitioners. So reading inspiring uh, stories about people who have practiced and come to some level of realization that can really be like a faith booster. It boosts our confidence, our trust that we are doing the right thing. Maybe you have read the book Cave in the Snow by Chetsun Ma and Tenzin Palmo. For me, that was really a very inspiring book and uh, strengthened my confidence. You know, give her giving account how she had practiced in the Indian Himalayas, at one stage uh, just staying up in her cave without going down even in winter time. Or 
another book that I found very inspiring and uh, was a faith booster was the book on the life of Deepama, which is called Knee Deep in Grace. So to see through how much suffering and difficulties she had to go before she could take up the practice of meditation. So I will end this talk on Sada with the words of Ajahn Chah, a wise being and a gifted Dhamma teacher. He said, in my, own, in my own search, I tried nearly every possible means of contemplation. I sacrificed my life for the Dhamma because I had faith in the reality of enlightenment and the path leading to it. These things do actually exist, just like the Buddha said they did. But to realize them takes courage. Yes, it really takes courage to step out of one's comfort zone and to dare into unfamiliar and unknown territory. So may we have, may all of us have the courage to take another step on this amazing journey to complete freedom, freedom from greed, hatred, and delusion. So let's say, let's sit still for a few moments. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.